Hello everyone, this is Jennifer Bryant and welcome to the Practical Family Podcast where we are building strong foundations and healthy homes. Today on the Practical Family Podcast, we have a special guest. Her name is Rayma Moriello and I actually connected with her through uh, a, a mom uh, blogging kind of a, a group on, through Facebook and Come to find out, she has actually published her own devotional series, and when we saw the title of this, we were all cracking up, because this is what it's called, Because Crack is Illegal, a 30-day devotional for moms. (laughs) (laughs) So, Rayma, welcome to the program today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to get to kind of hang out with you and your audience, and I love, love, love what you're doing Uh, the ministry that you have, the influence that you have, and just what the Lord has led you to lead and to do. It's so inspiring. And so, I mean, I feel so honored to get to hang out with you. Oh, thank you, Rayma. Now you're joining us from Texas today, yeah? You're in Dallas? (laughs) Yes, we are just kind of a little bit north of Dallas, but yes, Texas. Texas. Well, we're loving everyone in Texas right now, especially because of the Houston hurricane that just uh, came through and all the rebuilding that has to be done. But yes. Oh, gosh. Are you seeing incredible ministry opportunities happen over there? You know, we are about four hours away from Houston. So we um, had kind of uh, some groups from Houston be transported here to Dallas. I personally have not had the honor of interacting with any of the Houston um, survivors, Um, but I know a ton of churches and ministries that have. And man, when you hear the stories of just the resiliency, the way that the communities and even the country has come together to really rally around these families has just been such a beautiful display of the church in the world. And it has been very humbling to just just watch, just watch God move in such moments of devastation and, and get the glory for yes. it for sure. Oh, yes. Thank God. He is good all the time, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Rayma, can you start out by giving us a little bit of a debrief of where you've come from in life? Now, I don't usually do this with every guest, but I think that you have a particularly interesting testimony, and I'd love for you to share that a little bit with us today. Yeah, um, I was actually born and raised in Minnesota. Um, I was raised Catholic. We went um, pretty religiously to Mass every Sunday. You know, I was confirmed, and so we were pretty active in... um, the Catholic Church. I was raised by a single mother. My parents got divorced when I was five. And um, I knew about God, uh, but I didn't have a relationship with him. And so when I was 18, I actually joined the Navy because I felt like at that time, uh, I, I procrastinated way too long to get into college. So, uh, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to stay here. Um, I always wanted to travel and see the world, um, and to be super vain. (laughs) I, um, really liked the, um, Navy uniform. So who doesn't, (laughs) I remember recruiters coming into where I worked and I just loved their uniforms (laughs) and, 
<laughs> so that is actually the only reason I chose the Navy. Just to, so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> hey, whatever works, whatever got I you know, in the door, I know. right? God <laughs> is funny. He's got a great sense of humor. And so, yeah, right out of high school, I went into the Navy. I was actually stationed in Norfolk, Virginia um, for four years. I was a journalist and I also was a search and rescue swimmer oh, while wow. I was, yeah, Ooh. while I was enlisted, which was crazy. Again, selfish motive behind how I even became a search and rescue swimmer was, uh, the, the ship that I was stationed on was a pre-commissioned ship, which means, um, it wasn't a USS anything yet. Um, it was still being built. So we didn't have a ship to go to. We all congregated in kind of these buildings. <laughs> um, and I hated what I was doing at the time. And I remember this guy walking in the room and saying, hey, is anybody interested in in um, just training to be a search and rescue swimmer? We'll go to the pool a couple hours during the day. And my hand sh shot in the air. And I was like, whatever I can do to get out of this, I will do it. And so that's how I kind of stumbled even into training for it. And then they sent me to a four week, uh, like training in Florida. And when I graduated, I, I was like one of seven women who ever have completed that course at that time. Um, and so it was such a huge honor to even fall into the ranks of, of the other, you know, six women who had finished this really hard, uh, course anyway. So, um, I actually met my husband, uh, while we were stationed together and, um, he's got a really funny story of how we met. Um, I won't share it now, but, um, he'd <laughs> oh, been pursuing on. me. <laughs> I know he'd been pursuing me for like three years. I remember, uh, well, he tells the story that he walked up to a, a vending machine that we, I was standing at. Now I do not recall this at all. Um, which is even funnier. And he walked up to the vending machine because he wanted to get my attention. And he asked all of his friends for all of their loose change. He walked up to the vending machine and just dropped all the change at my feet. Now, a nice person <laughs> would have bent down and helped pick him, pick up the change. But I just stepped over him. Like, I didn't even help him. I didn't acknowledge that he existed. I just carried on with my life. And so that <laughs> is his first encounter pursuing me. Now, like fast forward about a year and a half later, we were um, scheduled to stand watch together. I remember uh, going to the armory and getting my gun and looking at who I was going to be um, standing watch with. And it said Jay and then Mariello. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. And I remember peeking my head around the corner. It was like so bad. And our name tags were on um, either the front left chest or the back right pocket of our pants. <laughs> I remember <laughs> looking, I was looking for his name. And of course it's right above his butt. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm not mad. I had to stand five hours with this cute guy. <laughs> and we were kind of forced to stand watch together for like five hours where, you know, we we're flirting with each other and the rest is history. I mean, we've been together now for, um, we'll be married for 15 years in March. And, um, but I mean, our marriage, it started, it was rocky. It was really rocky. Um, we got married the day before he deployed because I actually got pregnant when, mm -hmm. um, we had been dating for about six months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me to marry him. 
um, and we went to the courthouse, just he and I, and just in case um, something happened while they were deployed, because it was the first deployment after 9-11, and it was very, if you remember, it was a very rocky, uncertain time, especially for the military. Yes. And um, just to kind of, just in case something happened, we would be taken care of, and um, so he deployed the next day for eight months. He came home, and we had almost been married for a year, and he had a one-month-old child. Mm. So I can't imagine the shock of um, having to only think about yourself on deployment, really just not having to really think about um, family life or or adjust to being married, um, and coming back to a wife and a child. And it was... I I was very bitter. I was very angry that everybody that I had been stationed with had left. It's not like they had a choice, you know, because I was pregnant, you don't deploy when you're pregnant. And so I got restationed on a shore command and um, I was very angry because I was so lonely. I felt like my dream of traveling the world was ruined. You know, I just, I remember contemplating having an abortion. I just was Mm -hmm. really in a very dark place Mm -hmm. over those eight months. And so of course my husband didn't know that. And he came stepping into just this storm of emotions. And, um, about, uh, about five or six months after he got home, um, I learned that he had an affair. Mm. Now that was rough. That was, that was really, really hard because, um, in my mind, I didn't want to take the same path that my mom had to take, uh, raising me and my brother by herself. Um, I just, I didn't, I didn't want that for my life. Now I honor her. She is the strongest woman I've, I've ever met. And I attribute who I am today because of who she is, but I just didn't, I saw how hard it was for her and I didn't want that for me. And the fact that my worst nightmare just became a reality mm-hmm. was devastating. And, I decided that I was going to stay because I wanted my son to have a different life than I had. But I also made an internal promise that I was going to make my husband pay for what he had done to me and for Mm -hmm. how he had hurt me. And that kind of began um, drink. I began drinking excessively to try and numb the pain. Mm -hmm. I became verbally abusive um, rage, just this inner rage. I finally had an opportunity to take it out on somebody. Um, and I just, I used my husband as a, as a punching bag and that went on for probably two years Mm -hmm. that he just took it because he felt like he deserved it for, you know, the, the mistake that he had made. Um, and because of just the unhealthy mental space that I was in, I was unfaithful to him, almost like a payback, you Mm -hmm. know, like you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you as, as bad. And so both of us had to now walk through our spouses being unfaithful to, Mm -hmm. to us. And, um, it was bad. It was, it was really bad. I mean, we were on the verge of divorce, um, and we, at that time, we had moved to Texas. So right out of the military, we moved to San Diego. Just, I felt like our just our world was was falling apart. It was it was ugly, painful, dysfunctional. 
Um, and I gotta be honest, I feel like it was the first real encounter that I had with Jesus was actually through the selflessness of my husband. Mm. The fact that he took me back, that he humbled himself and just forgave me for, for what I had done, for how, for how I had treated him for just all the years of just abuse really, um, at my hand was the first encounter of mercy and grace, um, Mm. of, of the Lord that, that actually came from him. We would fight really unfair. <laughs> uh, we would throw divorce around as a, as a threat, as a tool to hurt. Mm-hmm. And things really started to turn around when we both decided divorce wasn't an option for mm-hmm. us. And that was the foundation that we laid at that point. And we began to build, um, got plugged into church, began serving, um, so I was probably 24, 23 um, when I actually gave my life to the Lord. I was 20 when we got married, um, 21 when we had our first child. And uh, yeah, we've, we have four kids now. Um, <laughs> been in ministry for 10 years. I now um, am the director of operations for a local nonprofit here to combat uh, sex trafficking here domestically. Um, An author, you know, God's taken me, yeah, on a very interesting path (laughs) and journey of of just freedom and healing um, that I'm so, so grateful for. Even through that, that really dysfunctional season, that ugly season, watching God unveil himself even through that um, has been really beautiful to Mm. be a part of. Oh, incredible. Rama, thank you. Thank you for giving us that picture and for sharing the deepest, darkest parts of your, of your experience. And, and, and you don't shy away from your own responsibility in that it's, and, and that's not something that all of us have the the particular strength to do maybe if we're still in the midst or mm-hmm. or there's still a lot of hurt you know yes i think it's really easy um to point the finger for sure at the other person other than kind of reflecting on what role did i play and i'm not saying um every scenario you know you had a role to play i think sometimes yeah sure, uh sure. things happen that weren't our fault that we didn't deserve but I, I do take responsibility of the role I played at pushing my husband away. Sure, I think sure. he needed a wife that supported him, encouraged him, believed the best in him. And he came home to a bitter, angry mm-hmm. wife that had no room or no space for mm-hmm. him. So he had a choice mm-hmm. <laughs> whether to to uh, open that door or not. But um, I, you know, yeah, I, I played a role in that. And I think once I got to the place where I accepted my part, God was able to finally come in and heal that part of me as well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do work in there. And, and, um, yeah. <laughs> well, this is definitely a story of grace. This is oh, the whole undeserved favor, it, you know, especially because women, I mean, you know, you grew up, grew up with a, a strong single mother and, and it was interesting how, 
you didn't necessarily want that for your child. And that was the main motivator behind, well, I, I'm, I'm going to stay. Even though I don't feel like I deserve, you know, this treatment, look what he did to me kind of thing. And so when we address this kind of issue on a show, you know, on a podcast like this called Practical Family, the practical pieces of of what it means to live healthy, to live as a healthy family, that emotional, that spiritual. But when we've been wronged and, you know, many Christians would say, well, that's your ticket out, Rayma. You, you could have left. You had every right to because he did this and therefore, you know, you don't have to put up with that so you can go. But what has the Lord shown you through this process of, of reconciling your marriage in his grace and love? I, I feel like he has shown me just his kindness towards the broken, you know, the, the whole story of, of the prodigal son and being lost and now being found. Uh, it's so real to me because I was, I was that son, you know, and, and him leaving the 99 for the one that was played out in real time in my life. You know, like I was the lost sheep and, and he used very unconventional methods to get a hold of my heart. I got to be honest, I don't know that I would be serving the Lord. uh, And I don't know where I would be right now if I hadn't gotten pregnant, Hmm. to be quite honest. And I know that's kind of backwards from, from, I think, God's original design. However, I also believe in a God who... uh, does things that are unconventional to reach his children, you know, and to get yeah. them back on the path. You, you look at, um, Gomer and <laughs> that whole story, mm-hmm. talk about a very dysfunctional relationship, but, uh, God used it for his glory. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm just so thankful that, um, he didn't give up on me, that he's not a God that quits on his people when, he had every right to when Mm -hmm. I was not faithful to him. He was extravagantly faithful to me and Mm -hmm. kind to me. Um, even when I didn't know him, you know, that, that scripture, um, though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. That is me. That is me. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was so extravagant in his pursuit of me. And I, I owe him my life, not out of guilt, but out of gratitude mm-hmm. um, because of, of the love he displayed to me personally. I want other people to know that same God that I know. I want other people to have the same relationship and better that I've had the honor of having. And um, I think that's why I'm also very transparent with my testimony and in, in the wins and the losses and the failures of, of my life personally. Um, to be a walking billboard for God, you know, Mm -hmm. and saying, this is where I missed it, but this is where God extended his grace. These are, these are the mistakes I made, but this is how God got me back on track and to show people that he's not a respecter of persons. And if he can do it for me, he absolutely wants to do it for you, regardless of the path that you have walked. There is no sin too ugly. Um, there's no sin too horrible that, that the blood of Christ didn't cover at the cross. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh, Rayma, thank you. Thank you again for sharing that. 
Now, because of that struggle, and now you said you and your husband are involved in, in ministry, you attend there at, at Shoreline Dallas, and um, you, you've even taken on some leadership positions there, but, but coming through and up and out of that, and now being active in the community, encouraging other women, encouraging other families, you had more kids in that in that yeah. time frame. <laughs> so, so many kids. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. many. So your experience now as a mom mm-hmm. going back now and you writing this devotional called Because Crack is Illegal. Tell yes. us about what what that has come out of. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> because Crack is Illegal. Right. Okay. So the title of this book I had some pushback from some people. Um, Even my husband, he is very black and white, uh, which I really, really like about him because I live in the gray area and he's kind of my, my barometer for like, Hey, that doesn't sound sane. You know, (laughs) don't do that. Um, And I really, he balances me and I love that so much about him. Um, but he was like, gosh, I don't know about that title. It could really rub some people the wrong way. But I, the, the way that that title even came about, um, I had written the content for the book. I was almost done with the book, but I had no title. And I was praying about it. And I knew that this was really God's book anyway. And I didn't want to just slap something on the front um, that wasn't from him. And a friend came up to me at church and she said, hey, I saw this coffee mug in a store and it said because crack is illegal on it. And it made me think of you. And I just laughed when I saw it. And first of all, I thought that was funny that she immediately thought of me when she (laughs) saw that coffee mug. (laughs) But I'm a huge, I'm a huge lover of coffee. Um, I think that started in the Navy when you would stand watch and and you would have to stay awake in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Um, and the coffee on the ships were horrible. Um, but I drink my coffee black and I just, I love, love, love coffee. And so I love that she thought about me when she saw that coffee mug and something in my spirit kind of leapt. Like this is the, this is the title of the book. And I was like, I don't know, God, that's pretty edgy, especially for it being a faith-based book. Like that's (laughs) pretty edgy. God gave me the, the, the cover, what he wanted the cover to look like. That's why even the cover is strategic with a mug with the title on it. Um, because all of that really was downloaded from God. I wish I could take like creative credit for that, but that was all from the Lord. Even the way that the chapters are not chapters, I guess days are written, was all God's idea. And I was like, okay, I mean, let's see how this goes. But (laughs) even, even then, um, like I, I self published it back in 2015, just took a step of faith and obedience and just said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll write it. And through the writing process, he showed me the book sitting on a shelf of a store. And at that time I was like, I don't have the connections to get this into a store. I don't know how to approach publishing houses. I have no experience in this. So I decided instead of dragging my feet and using um, that as an excuse to not publish it, I went the self-publishing route because I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this um, so that 
I can get it on the market, get it out there. And God, you're just going to have to open a door. You know, you God do God things because I don't have the resources. I don't have the connections. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, August of 2016, a publishing house approached me about publishing that book, picking it up to publish it. And so it just re-released October 3rd through Morgan James Publishing. They're out of New York. And it's been a crazy, crazy ride (laughs) with this book. And I mean, I'm so humbled that God would even choose me, you know, especially with such a sordid past that he would Mm. look at me and say, I have something greater for you. Mm. I want to use you to encourage um, other people. And um, in this book, it's not a parenting guide. I personally, having four kids, I need all the help I can get. That's why I appreciate your ministry. <laughs> um, oh, s- just the same practical here. <laughs> steps to be a good, to be a good mom. Like, don't yell at your kids. Okay, check. Like, don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Some days that it's rough. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's really. I feel like the intent and the heart behind this book was to connect the heart of the mother back to the heart of the father, Hmm. because being a parent, I mean, you get, especially, you know, first time, first time child, it gets overwhelming. You know, you, you look to Pinterest for all the latest and greatest gadgets and foods and how to puree your own organic whatever. And, you know, you're trying to stay up to date on vaccines and the latest this or that. And I think we can get carried away with, um, researching and trying to be our best and do our best for our children that we stop going to God for direction and for Mm -hmm. answers. And I think we can drift away from him through this process. And I wanted to write this book or I feel like God directed me and led me to write this book to share my stories of victories and wins and in all of the lessons God has taught me since being a mom and even just I have a couple stories in there about my military experience and and lessons that God has taught me even through those experiences just to a use laughter I think laughter is the greatest tool to tear walls down and to allow people to kind of really lean in to what you have to say mm-hmm. and that's just my personality mm-hmm. um, I love laughing um <laughs> But that using laughter, using stories, and just having the me too mindset that I I have no right to point the finger at you and tell you what you're doing wrong. I'm going to point it back at myself and tell you, here's what I did that was great. But here's what I did that was awful. Mm -hmm. But here's the grace God extended to me, you know, and, and allowing the moms to see themselves in those stories so they don't feel alone in this journey. Right, exactly. And don't we all need need that? I'm so glad that you mentioned the the comparison thing on Pinterest because I mean we we hear about that a lot lately and and how how that trap just kind of keeps us from moving forward because we're not really embracing who who we really are. And not that yeah. we need to go around parading all of our mistakes all the time. And, you know, because you can feel either way about that. You're like, oh, I don't want to be too perfect, but I don't want to be too messy. But 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 people love messy. So, like, you know, <laughs> they do, they do you love know? messy. Yeah. But it's yeah. the grace, I, right? It's wrapping it up in, in the forgiveness and the grace and the it's okay, me too. Yeah, absolutely. And we, should we all strive to write that way and to connect to people that way? So so is that that's the direction really that Because Crack is Illegal is taking is that 
I like I can't do this on my own. <laughs> I need I need the Lord. I need something else. Oh, absolutely. Especially in a season of being a parent. Nobody gives you a parenting guide when you leave the hospital. They give you a human being and they're like, keep it alive. And you're like, uh, <laughs> yep. okay. You know, and, and you're trying to be a mom. Maybe you're trying to be a wife as well. Maybe you have multiple kids and maybe you work outside of the home or you're trying to homeschool your kids. It's like, and you're trying to have a relationship with the Lord. It is overwhelming. I love, though, I've, I've noticed that there is a new trend in parenting of having a more transparent uh, posture when communicating a message, because I think we've, and I'm sure you two have seen just the damage it's done to a woman's psyche of trying to live up to this unrealistic expectation of perfection, and mm-hmm. it is unattainable, and it will kill you. Mm-hmm. It will, it will keep you up at night. It will constantly uh, create doubt and fear and discontentment. And I, that's just not, that's not how God has designed us to live our lives. And so exactly. whatever I can leverage to partner with the Lord, um, whatever story I can tell, whatever failure I have had in my life, uh, to encourage somebody else and to point them back to God, I will do it. I will absolutely do it. Mm, and that faithfulness has turned into not only one book, but two books. You also published <laughs> another. This one's a 60-day devotional called The Struggle is Real. So <laughs> we've, that is uh, you know, more of a, the, the, one of the more popular catchphrases nowadays. But I think we all understand that, like, hashtag, the struggle is real. It is super real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at the mess my kids made. Look at the look at, Oh, my gosh. Look at how yeah. my – I cannot get this house together today. But it's okay. The struggle's real, and we're all going yeah. through it. Yeah. So you can find Rama's books on Amazon, and we'll have links to them in the show notes today as well. The first one is a 30-day devotional because crack is illegal. And the second, the struggle is real. And that one is really geared more toward women in general because of what you're talking about, the, you know, the comparison thing, the, the uh, trying to you know, wear heels and, and lipstick and, and walk a certain way and take care of your kids. <laughs> When I see, when I, when I see, um, I looked more into the book and I saw, I'm like, oh, this is so Rima. She is funny. And people, if you've never, you have to connect with Rima on social media because she does hilarious videos um, of her and her kids. The Halloween one was particularly hilarious. We put that on <laughs> Practical Family. And um, uh, the message that she has to share is just, it's just so this, it's so her heart and it's born from adversity and it's born from um, what we would see as failure, but what would God would use for for beauty? I love his the scripture that he uses beauty for ashes mm-hmm. um, and joy for mourning, and he brings us mm. out of that pit and puts us where we can still be used by him. And mm-hmm. such a wonderful testimony coming today from Rama Mariello. So connect with her. I'll have her website in the show notes as well. And Rama, did you want to share any last bits of encouragement with our families today? Yeah, you know, I think um, to the moms, even the dads, you know, I know that there, there, are, there are single dads out there that are, you know, raising these kids. And it's, it's hard, but what an honor 
we have to uh, be entrusted with God's kids. I think we need to continually remind ourselves that we've been entrusted with God's kids. We love them, but God loves them more. And to never stop praying for them, to really lean in and get a greater understanding of the power of our words. Uh, I love that scripture, pray things that are not as though they were, you know, if your life Mm -hmm. is in chaos or you don't know what to do or your kids are acting a mess to pray what heaven is speaking over that situation, to come into agreement with what the word of God says over that situation, because it is fascinating how things turn around when we come into agreement with God and his will and his plans and purposes. I'm not saying it'll be perfect because, you know, we're on the side of heaven, but to really tap into, and maybe even I encourage you to, if you don't pray, start. And it doesn't have to be eloquent. It does not have to be fancy. I love, love, love prayer. It's my favorite thing on the planet, but I used to be afraid of it because I didn't feel like I was worthy. I didn't feel like I knew the right words to say. I I felt like I was stumbling or fumbling over my words. And God doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't care about how eloquent you are, how smart or educated you are or aren't. He just wants to have a relationship with you. And that's really all prayer is. And so If you don't pray for whatever reason, maybe the first prayer you ever need to pray is help. That's perfectly fine, too. Um, I'm a huge advocate of, you know, God can't fix what you fake. And if you just get honest with him, because he already knows what's going on in your life and your world and your family. And if you would lay that before God and just say, God, show me, teach me, help me. He has been so faithful to show up in in moments that I've just been a train wreck and he is faithful to provide for everyone who comes boldly before him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, maybe in my spirit, I feel like somebody needs to hear if you don't pray start now, it's never too late to start. There's no mountain too high. There is no obstacle too crazy. Uh, there's no problem too great that God can't fix. And I think he wants to get involved. I know he wants to get involved and engaged in every detail of your life and your kids, like what you're doing is generational. What you are, um, have the honor of partnering with God with by raising these children, you actually have the ability to directly impact generations. And that's huge. And I think it all starts in prayer. Pray over you, over your marriage, over your children, over their future, because God is not limited by time, our timeline. He he has the, the ability to pre- prepare things in the future. And so just just get crazy. Get bold with prayers. Um, just start somewhere. I think God just wants to have a relationship with you personally mm-hmm. so that you can faithfully lead these children that will go on to change the world. Absolutely. Thank you, Rayma. Such a powerful ending statement for exactly what we strive to do here at Practical Family. We are all about encouraging you to build strong foundations and healthy homes. And that strong foundation begins when we ourselves are submitted to the God of the universe who can take us beyond what we could ever do or try to do or try to earn. He's there and he's gracious and he loves us and he picks us up out of the most ridiculous situations that we get ourselves yeah. into. Uh, some ask, some not asked for, but but he's there regardless. Thank you so much, Rama, for being with us today. 
Man, it is an honor. Thank you so much for having me.